The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word is live today, and we are in the New Testament book of Acts. Acts chapter 21, verse 17 is where we'll begin, but I want to welcome you. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. And let me give you a phone number uh, later on in the program, as we always do, and we love to do it. We will pick up the telephone, and we will take your calls and Bible questions. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 888-589-8840, And uh, Bert, in Acts uh, 19... Uh, it says that they were gathered, and there's Paul, and there's James, and there's brethren. So there's a lot of Christians here. And it says that uh, Paul declared the things God had done among the Gentiles by his ministry. It's a testimony time. And I don't you love to get together and declare the things that God has done? Amen, Alex. And we do declare that, even on Exploring the Word, many times when we take those phone calls— uh, people are calling in, praising God for what he has done in their lives. We get prayer requests. We get Bible questions. But those that are just praising the Lord for what God has done, even even with that group, is, is amazing, much less one where you can see each other's face and share. It is a glorious times when that happens. And notice most of the time that would take place when Paul would get through one of the meetings, and he would go back to Jerusalem and Antioch, and they would declare all that the Lord had done, and they were praising him. And so we want to do that. God has done great things. He's still doing great things, and he will continue to do those unto the very end of this earth. Alex, God is good all the time, and all the time, God, God is, is good. God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, if you can get a Bible, turn to Acts 21, the New Testament book, often called the Acts, A-C-T-S, the Acts of the Apostles. But while we turn there, uh, Bert, uh, you've been traveling, I've been traveling, Angie and I, last week we were all in Texas, New Mexico, and Iowa, and uh, I want to hear about what where you've been. I know you and Jan have been doing some special things. Well, most of our time has spent with our four grandsons. Let me call them by name. That okay. is Jude. That is Caleb. That is Andrew and John Wyatt. And we spent time with those four grandsons, and they're kind of hyper like their granddaddy. And, uh, <laughs> and so we had a great time. And uh, somebody said, how are you feeling? And the word is, most of the time, I am. Uh, most of the time, I'm awesome, great, fine. Those words come out of my mouth. Today, I've got a new one, worn okay. out. Listen. <laughs> we we had a good time. Zip lines, uh, fishing, hiking, uh, riding bicycles, uh, four grandsons. It was a great, great time. I now, praise now did God. You, did you ride down a zip line? Well, I watched them. I my weight is a little heavier than I wanted to try, and so I didn't trust it as much. I noticed you went zip lining. Is that right? 
I did. Uh, two weeks ago in South Carolina, one of our camps um, where we had a lot of kids saved, and I did. I went down a zip line a couple of times, and it was really fun. But um, I want to give a big shout-out, and then we're going to get into Acts. Matt Reisner at the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. Uh, Sunday through yesterday, I was in Iowa, and I want to tell you, this is just one of the great treasures of America. 102 years, and I had the privilege of speaking to the adults, and then we had a, a youth camp going on, and I was speaking about two or three times a day to the youth. But Bert, up in Iowa, hundreds and hundreds of people from all over the Midwest and as far away as Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and as far away as Minnesota, and even Ohio, people had convened on Cedar Falls, Iowa, for this Bible conference, and um, my friend Matt Reisner is the director of it, and I just felt so privileged for two things. One, to stand in a pulpit and preach the gospel and teach the Bible where people have been doing it every year for 102 years. That's a great honor. But the other thing, and I want to give a big shout out to Iowa, the people, uh, Angie and I, we had a rental car. We were not three feet away from the rental car, and people were coming over to say to us how they love AFR, and they love exploring the Word. I've got a video, and I'm going to send it to Brent Austin, a young man, 15 years old, named Isaac, and he came up, and he said, tell Bert hello. I listen every day. I love exploring the Word, and he said, I've learned so much, And, and I said, now, how old are you? He said, 15. I said, you listen to Exploring the Word, 15 years old. And I, I, some of these, these young people, Bert, um, uh, uh, a young lady named Allie, a young lady named Ava, a, a young lady named Susan, another a young man named Kevin. It just blesses my heart that unbeknownst to me, well, not completely unbeknownst, but largely, I just had no idea how many teenagers are listening to us Amen. on Exploring the Word. Amen. So praise God. Amen, Alex. Communicate. Listen, truth communicates. Now, I just want to share this with you. And here on Exploring the Word, we want to know the truth because truth sets you free. And young people want to be free. And if they really want to be free, they will follow Christ and obey Him. It brings real freedom. And I experienced that as a young person myself. The freedom in Christ is amazing. So we want to do that. And young people, college students, respond to that. Matter of fact, I think I shared this last week before I I went on my hiatus away. But I at Auburn Baptist Church here in Tupelo, Mississippi, right outside of the city limits, I'm preaching. And I'm preaching on for these children, kids going back to school on, on a biblical worldview. I did it on identity oh, yeah. last Sunday, and I'm doing it on history this uh, this Sunday. And, and to have that biblical worldview, these young people want to be equipped so that truth can, can work in their lives. And when it works in their lives, guess what else, Alex? It works through their lives. And when it works through their lives, it really brings others to the point of knowing truth. Jesus Christ. And that's what we find in the book of Acts, even chapter 21, when Paul shows up and he goes to Jerusalem there and he meets with the brethren, mostly James. It seems the apostles have probably left, you know, they they went all over the world. Have you ever done that where we know they went? And those apostles did not stay in Jerusalem. They went. We know Thomas went as far away as India. We know that Matthew went 
south uh, into Africa, and they went everywhere in Turkey. Uh, they, they went everywhere. And so here in verse 17, listen to this. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Only the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. Now, when you look at it, especially chapter 15 and others, you'll find out James was there, but it say the apostles. The apostles are absent here. It is the elders. They have, they have I would say they've gotten them ready. They have prepared them. And now James, and I wouldn't call them second-generation uh, followers of Christ, Alex, but they're, they're those that were a part uh, later than the apostles. You know what right, I mean? Right, And yeah. now they have grown, and they're strong in the Lord, and they've taken that position as leaders in the church at Jerusalem. And Paul goes into them, and they greet one another. And when he had greeted them, now listen to what he did. He told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Now, Alex, in detail, he said this is what God is doing and has done, and he didn't leave anything out. And it says, guess what? And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Well, yes, verse 20, when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. And they are informed of these, that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. Verse 21 here, the phrase, the customs. Uh, Bert, that back then they weren't the only ones that have beloved, uh, long-held customs or rituals. Um, Our traditions. Here, yeah, there, there's going to be kind of an outcry. Paul, I know he didn't mean to because he was just preaching the gospel, but he was a, a little bit of a disruptor, or at least his opponents made it that way, didn't they? They did, and Paul was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the law had no part in salvation. The law had the part in bringing you to salvation. That's the whole law. Now, a lot of these who were Jews here who are followers of Christ, uh, they're still in this land of, okay, I've trusted Christ, but I've, I'm following Christ, but uh, I want to keep the customs, you know? And, yeah. and Paul, this is what's amazing about this, Alex. He was keeping one of the customs of the Jewish law when he came to Jerusalem. He had taken a Nazarite vow, a Jewish custom, and uh, he was going to go and, uh, you know, have, didn't have his haircut. He's going to have his haircut and go in and make this offering. Uh, they, they would, Satan wants to distort everything that is good, everything. Yeah. And Paul yeah. has done a great job. But now Satan is trying to distort it, and people who have a view that, uh, you know, it's either my way or the highway, not God's way, listen, they're going to do it, and they're going to follow, and they're going to cause trouble, and they do it here. Yes. Verse 22, what is it therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. In other words, word's going to get out that you're here. Do therefore this that we say to thee, we have four men which have a vow on them. Take them and purify thyself with them, and be at 
charges with them, that they may shave their heads, and all may know these things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing, but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keep the law. In other words, Paul, this will keep down trouble if you'll go through the motions of being an observant Jew. But the gospel and law, grace and ritual, they don't mix, do they? They will. There will be a parting of the way. There really is. Again, Paul, uh, you remember, uh, you know, when Peter and John, even after the resurrection, they went up to the temple to worship. And that's where they met the man that was lame, and he walked again. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give unto thee. So they're still worshiping the God of the Old Testament because the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are the same one. It's Amen. not different. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away. I came to fulfill it. When you find me and you're following me, you found all that you need. Alex, that's good news, isn't it? That's great news. And folks, there's going to be more Bible, more truth, more great news on this edition of Exploring the Word. Stay with us. We'll keep on in Acts 21. Plus, we'll take your calls and Bible questions after this. Don't go away. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never Amen. I couldn't wait until we got to that line. He is a good, good father. If you don't know God through Jesus Christ, you're missing out on the greatest present, the greatest journey, the greatest experience that you could ever have. It's all in Christ Jesus. It's in him alone. If you've never trusted him, I want to tell you, Alex and Bert, our desire as much as anything, first, we want to be truthful. We want to glorify God, and we want others to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's the three principles that explore in the Word, live by day by day. And so if you don't know Christ, would you trust him? Would you say, Mm. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I can't save myself. I know Jesus went to the cross, and he died and rose again the third day. And today I ask him to be Lord of my life because he's overcome the two greatest things, sin and death, and he can guide us into truth. Alex, Jesus Christ changed my life even as a 12-year-old boy, brother. Amen, amen. Well, listen, you can be young, you can be an adult, you can be not so young. I know a friend of mine that uh, led a lady to the Lord. She was in a nursing home doing a Bible study, and she was a 94-year-old Jewish lady. <laughs> Amen. 94. Yes. And she accepted Jesus as her Messiah. And so whatever your age, whatever your station in life, look, look the Lord Jesus wants to come into your life and to forgive your sins. And please don't think—let me say this. We're going to get back to Acts. But, Bert, I've had people say, uh, well, I guess I've just—I've waited too long. No, if you're alive— you still can turn to Christ. Some people say, well, I've sinned too much. No, God loves you, and he will completely forgive and save you. And uh, 
some people just think that, well, I'll deal with that later, and then later never comes. If you're listening right now, and you're thinking, I really do need to make sure that I'm saved, and Christ is in my life, please don't procrastinate, and please don't believe Satan's lies about putting it off. Open your heart to Jesus right now, today. Now, we've got a ministry partner we work with, and if you want to pray with somebody, and look, no strings attached, no agenda here. We just want to help you spiritually. Bert, what is that number of prayer encouragers that are standing by right now? It is 800-NEED-HIM, 888-NEED-HIM or 800-NEED-HIM. Both will get you through, 888-NEED-HIM. And they're ready to talk with you, pray with you, help you in any way. And do that. Don't delay. Don't put it off because the we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so get right with God. Do it today. Alex, now, what did they say about the Gentiles? They had glorified the Lord, but they said, we've got some zealous Christians here that are still going by the Jewish law, and you don't want to offend them. And then you've got Jews here that believe you have desecrated everything. That, oh, yeah. That everything. So here's what the response was of the elders first. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, now that's important. They did not demean them. They said they believe. They didn't say they had to become Jews and then believe. No, the Gentiles who believe. We have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, and from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. This refers back to Acts 15, and really, that's what the law James would write the book of James with that kind of in mind, the book of James that we have in the Bible. And then Paul took them in, and the next day, having then been purified with them, Paul did that and entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. Now, Alex, again, Paul was not reverting back to Judaism. He was not. But he had taken a Nazarite vow, and he said, this is the blending of it. In other words, not keeping the law. That's not what he's talking about being saved. But he's talking about recognizing God is God and honoring him, that he had, it's kind of like fasting. And this was kind of like breaking a fast. This was uh, breaking the Nazarite vow to have his hair cut and to pay homage to God. He was not mixing the law with grace here at all. Do you, do you agree? Right, right. Uh, he he was a preacher of the gospel, and his commitment was absolutely to Jesus Christ and what Christ did. Uh, but they make accusation, and, and for basically like a week, they are getting riled up. And in verse 28 through and following, you hear all these accusations. They say, this is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and against the law. And further, if that wasn't bad enough, that he's preaching differently than us, he brought Greeks into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. Now, what's interesting is, in verse 30, it says, all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. Now, what's interesting is um, the the people were moved, and, and the wording there about how they were stirred up is very much like the wording where it says they drew him out of the temple, and it's a, a form of the Greek word for helix, to spin something around. 
And I've got to believe this is one of those times that, um, you know, Paul was physically in danger. I mean, really, because they dragged him out of the temple, threw him out, and got the people out and, and you know, blocked the doors or, you know, boarded up the door there at least for a little while. It says in verse 31, as they were about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Bert, nowadays people use word like so-and-so was triggered yeah. and angry. When we preach the truth, there is no Savior but Jesus. God's Word is God's Word. Sin is still sin. Righteousness is still righteousness. People to this day, like Jerusalem of old, they get in an uproar when confronted with truth, don't they? They do, and when they cannot refute the truth, they make something up. This is the whole idea. That's what they did with Jesus. Uh, Pilate would say, I find no fault in him. Even the Sanhedrin couldn't find fault in him. They had to have someone come in and lie. Guess what they do with Paul? I want to go back, if you would, to verse uh, 29. And it says, For they had previously seen Paul with Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. He didn't even do it. This was based upon supposition. It was based upon a desire to find something that they could respond to. It was hard to, hard to prove. It, they could not prove the other part that Paul had done. The things they were blaming him, saying he's teaching contrary, he's doing all of that, they couldn't no more prove that than anything. He was impeaching the truth which would agree with the real law. It didn't agree exactly. it didn't agree with their customs, but it agreed with the real law. And so they made something up just like they did with Jesus. They do it here with Paul. And when they cannot refute truth, they attack in some other way. Now who is they? Those that you just described, Alex, that do not want to know Christ. They do not want God to have preeminence. They do not want any God to have anything with creation, with redemption, with society. It's all us. It's all about us. And that's what and, was driving them in using religion as a means to accomplish that. Uh, you know, um, you mentioned creation versus evolution. Let me just say something. Back during the Clinton years, um, a person that the Clintons appointed to the Department of Education was a lady named Eugenie Scott. And I forget if she was on the faculty of Harvard. It seems like it was Harvard. But she was a hardcore evolutionist. And along came um, a, a realization that human DNA, well, really all DNA, plant, animal, and human, is so complex that it, it's just statistically impossible that it could have come about by accident. So they said um, life was designed, and, and it's called intelligent design. Now, what does intelligent design say? Now, just simply says, wherever we see information, information only comes from an intelligent source. And since DNA is, like computer software, information, life must have come from an intelligent source, a designer. Now, you and I know that's God, and because of God, we know there's Jesus and salvation. But here's the thing, Eugenie Scott who's a pagan, uh, she and a lot of others, a guy named Stephen Jay Gould, they pulled a, a lot of legal strings doing anything and everything to prevent in American K-12 schools, and really colleges too, 
uh, you can't teach intelligent design. You can't mention a creator. Um, and why? Uh, well, it wasn't because it's not true, because it is. But she said, and she was on record, she said, we can't allow anything in the classroom that would cause the children to doubt Darwinian evolution. Just, now, just like the, the people of old were opposing Paul, now here's the, the saving gospel of Jesus, but uh, we don't want to lose our customs, and so we've got to silence the gospel. Well, we're, we're still living in a time of censorship, and here's what's true. And now, Bert, 30 years removed, after this administration that fought to prevent children from hearing the truth about science and creation, nowadays in our classrooms, children are being prevented from hearing the truth about gender, about morals. Right. And so, folks, um, always be someone who boldly stands for truth, because when there's an absence of truth, things get ugly really quickly, don't they? They really do. I, I've written this down, and I think I'm right. Truth doesn't matter when it takes away their power with them. Truth doesn't matter when they see their grip slipping away. When when they see that, that truth doesn't matter. They will try to redefine truth. That's what they've done with marriage. They're trying to redefine gender. That's what they're doing. Because why? They don't like the truth that will really set them free. And that's what they did here, Alex. You're exactly right. And and it's getting back to 33 and 34, and as we finish this chapter today, the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked, this is Paul, commanded to be done this way, who asked he was in what he had done. And some among the multitude cried out one thing and some another. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. uh, listen, in the confusion, they had, can't get their story straight is what it means. And right. when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken to the barracks. Now, Alex, they said one thing, they said another. That This is what will happen. That when truth is being tried to be disproven, if they can't win this way, they'll come at it another way because they don't want to accept truth. So he couldn't discern the truth. Isn't that something? Because of the confusion that people were saying. And that's why on Exploring the Word, we do our best. The Word of God says, I can't help but remember years ago watching Billy Graham. He'd be on a late-night talk show. He would be on with someone, and here's his words. The Bible says, and, and that was his declarative statement. The Bible says, and when the Bible says it, guess what? That settles it. We go yeah. with it. And they Amen. can't take that truth, can they? Well, they can't. May I chase one more rabbit, and I'll be quick about it. But do you remember uh, several years ago, there was a young lady, and her name was Rachel Dolezal, D-O-L-E-Z-A-L. Uh, does that... In your pop culture trivia memory bank, does that never <laughs> It, it does reach familiarity, yes. Go ahead, well, though. See if, see if I got anything of it right. Well, she was Caucasian, oh, yes. and she led a chapter of the NAACP out, uh, maybe it was Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, Washington, but somewhere in the upper northwest. And she wore a lot of makeup and, and hair extensions, and she presented herself as being African-American. And it came out that she was very much Caucasian, and she was um, fired, 
from that job and made really for a, a month or so in the American media was really the butt of a lot of jokes. I, I know nothing about her, but here's my point. I, I well remember they, they said, you're not black, you're white. How can you present yourself as black when people can't change their body? So you're not, you're not black, you're white, and your physical body is unchangeable, therefore you're fired. Well, fast forward about six or seven years, now we're told, oh no, you can change your body. Uh, if you're male, you can identify as female. Bert, there was a story in the news yesterday, and it said a transgender man has given birth. Well, I read this, it's a female, because only females can carry and deliver a child. But they're using language. And folks, my point in this, just like in Acts 21, Paul had to courageously, consistently, vigilantly outthink and outcommunicate and stand strong for truth. These days, folks, and the Spirit of God will help you do this, you're going to have to really uh, steal your mind and vigilantly focus on truth and reality. But we use the word truth. I'm talking about the the fight daily to actually believe reality, because that's the battle, not opinion, not preference. I'm talking about we're in a fight for the preservation of reality. Real truth takes away their power. That's the whole idea, and that's People, the love of money is root of all evil. Power is grasping. Now, here's what they do. Paul is led away, and they're going to beat him, but he declares, I am a Roman citizen, and he will get there in just a little bit. But he says, I'm a Jew, and they decide they will not whip him at this time because he's not the Egyptian that that the commander thought he was. And he asks for permission to preach, and in chapter 22... We will look at that later next week as we look to see the message that Paul preached. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. That number is 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear your Bible question today. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here Well, the number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. And you can talk to Bert and myself. We'd love to hear from you. And so if you've never called in, why don't you make this the day that you call in? And we'd love to uh, hear your Bible question. Bert and I will do our best to give you a, an answer that is biblical and factual and faithful to the text of God's Word. And Bert, don't we... Don't we count it a great honor to talk with people all over America? It is an honor, and we th- we thank you for calling. Uh, our show would not be complete without the phone calls, and so you are completing this. So let's go to Oklahoma and talk to John. Welcome, John. Uh, yes, this is John from Oklahoma. Well, thank Welcome. you for calling. You bet, uh, brother. Okay, I want to make sure I had uh, you the right one. Um my, uh, I don't really have a Bible question, but I do have a question relating to my neighbors 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I have neighbors, a couple, uh, next door that are churchgoers, but our politics are 180 degrees apart. They always vote Democrat. They think Joe Biden is doing great and that Donald Trump tore down the country. So how do I uh, speak to people like that? Okay, John, thank you for calling. Listen, you, you dwell on truth, but let me ask you, let me tell you this, how Jesus would do. He asked great questions. I am telling you, if you can ask great questions when you're talking in place of trying to state your position and ask questions that would challenge their position, you get them shaky and you get them wondering because they're being misled some way or other because of some reason. Well, I don't know, but you, and you ask God to help you to ask, ask those questions and uh, Alex, go ahead. You may know a good question that John could ask his neighbors. Well, uh, God bless you for for being salt and light. You know, you mentioned John eight thirty two, where Jesus said, "You shall know the truth, and the truth will will set you free or make you free." And there are a lot of people. Um, and I, I I'm going to digress for just a minute. I, I'm only speaking for Alex here, but as a Christian. Uh, when you look at issues like the the sanctity of human life and morals and marriage and uh, a government's obligation to act in the interest of its citizens and a government's obligation to govern in accord with the Constitution and and being a, a friend to Israel and standing for morals and truth and a against lawlessness and falsehood. Um, I mean, clearly, folks, um, it's not hard. If you have a biblical worldview and you look at the, the political options, it's not hard to figure out, like Bert, you and I have often said, vote and vote godly. Um, everybody, probably everybody knows. I, I mean, I'm a registered Republican, but I don't vote Republican because they're my hope and my North Star I vote Republican because at least in recent years, their platform positions have been godly, biblical, and constitutional. Now, the thing about it, Bert, is truth Truth is, is a thing that I, I'm convinced many people, I'm not going to say most people, but many people are not committed to the pursuit of truth. And then there are people, and they, they hear truth, but they really don't have the courage or the foresight to acknowledge truth. And I think you're being a good influence. That's important. Pray. But, Bert, for the people that are Christians, but yet they're voting for a party that is ungodly, uh, I just think we're going to have to pray for the Holy Spirit of God to open their blind eyes. I agree with you. But I I go back. I have uh, get folks to question what they're thinking and most of the time you do that through questions and why why would you think it's right to kill a baby that's six months into uh their mother's womb why what do you think it is concerning male and female ask them those questions that that 
do penetrating thought. And uh, listen, they may give you something they've heard, but the question will stay with them and you pray with them and be ready to give an answer if they ask you a question of the truth that's in you. John, thank you for that call. Let's go to Georgia. Joshua, are you there? I am here, sir. Thank you for calling. Thank you for taking my call, gentlemen. You bet. Um, I just want to make a quick comment to Alex real quick, Mr. McFarlane. Yeah. Uh, I listened to your program earlier with Mr. Gaffney, and I didn't go on their website to send a message to the senators because I didn't. I'm me being totally blind. I didn't know if my screen reader would work with it, so I gave him a call. Oh wow! Okay. So, well, so thank you for listening. My um, question is, yeah, earlier I had Frank Gaffney on the Awakening, and if you go to afr.net, you can listen to that again. But uh, yes, go on. Um, how can I? How can we prove that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I mean, and wrote those gospels. How can we say that for certain that they wrote it? If someone says, well, we don't know who wrote it. Thank you for the question, I mean, for the answer, and I'll hang up and listen. Okay. Let me give a real quick thing, and I'll let Alex, this is his wheelhouse. But Luke and, and John, I'm, I'm telling you, it's kind of obvious. Uh, if you read Luke and Acts, and then we're going through Acts, and you get to the we chapters, where Luke is with him, and look at that. That is so obvious. It takes somebody that is completely wrong. And and John, when you read John's writings and see how he acted in the Gospels and see what he did and the time frame, Alex, uh, those two are pretty obvious. Mark, uh, we're wondering. Uh, it was Mark, but Peter may have been a source for him. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then and then uh, the Matthew. You look at how many times he deals with numbers. It sure is consistent, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah. And there are. Let, let me just say, um, traditional authorship of the New Testament books: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, Luke wrote Acts. Paul wrote Romans. Paul wrote half the New Testament, the letters. Then you've got you know James, First and Second Peter. Uh, there are internal and external reasons, like the internal um, reasons. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector, and, and he was sitting at a tax collector's booth when Jesus passed by and called him there. And so, um, you know, you've got things that, details and numbers that somebody who was in accounting would would write. And Luke, uh, ha- oh my goodness, he was a physician, and there's so many things in there that sound like the voice of someone who is a person of science, of detail. Now, i got to say this, the Gospel of John is, uh, oh my goodness, he is the beloved disciple, and it, for one thing, it sounds like 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Revelation, doesn't it? Uh, but let me say, the early church... Uh, accepted the what we call the traditional authorship. Now, 175 A.D., there was a guy named Irenaeus, and he um, was a great defender of the faith. And so early Christians, some of whom knew the apostles, and then those who knew the people that knew the apostles, um, said that, you know, this, this is right, and the other thing that I would say, and I know we've got to move on, there's no real reason not to trust the traditional authorship, because um, if, it, if it wasn't the authors that the eyewitnesses affirmed, um, well, then 
who could it have been? Because whoever wrote the Gospels and the letters uh, and the rest of the New Testament needed to be somebody who uh, had seen Jesus or knew Jesus, uh, intimately understood the Gospel message, eyewitnesses of the crucifixion, the empty tomb. I mean, we really don't have any other um, options, and, and there's really no compelling reason Bert, I'm going to say this. I know we got to move on. The only reason that people have even questioned the authorship of the biblical books is because of really post 18th century skepticism. You know, there was um, uh, French Enlightenment thinking, and all across Europe came really question everything. But I wonder if we should question the assertion that we should question everything. <laughs> That's and the that, whole idea, Alex. And what, you, what we have here is you go back, why would they say they did not write that? The evidence yeah. is greater in our, uh, you know, in our area that they did write that. And so so I, I would say you're in good standing, Joshua. Let's go to William in Illinois. You Welcome. Know, in our area that they did. T- turn your radio off, William, please. And uh, go with your question or your comment, brother. Thank you for calling. Okay. Uh, my answer to an atheist about evolution was this. Everything from mice to elephants had to have a full-grown male and female to reproduce. And they say, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I say, well, where was the rooster when that happened? <laughs> So that's my question, atheism. You have to have full-grown species to reproduce. Thanks. William, you're right on. What our our president, uh, Tim Wildman, I love his. He said, "Can you imagine the the per, uh, you know two giraffes? You had to have a male and a female giraffe to reproduce, and that's beyond. Uh, you, you just it it is. Listen, Darwinian evolution is a farce. That's yeah. I, I'll just say it is. It's a farce." Uh, it's all based on mutations, and mutations are harmful. They all go back in millions of years in time so that uh, they can say, okay, it happened back then when they can't even prove it happened. Alex, uh, we're standing well, on good ground when we say God created the heavens and the earth, aren't we? Amen. You know, Ray Comfort, we, we've had him on the show before. Ray Comfort, well said, uh, evolution is a fairy tale for grown-ups. <laughs> and uh, one, one last thing I've got to say, look, if you want fins to become feathers and feathers to become fingers, um, you need additional genetic information. And if you ask an evolutionist, so how did life evolve and all these changes, a single-cell organism turn into millions of species of plants, animals, and humans. They'll say, well, gene mutations. Well, we've never observed, never, folks, never observed a mutation add additional information right. to the genome. And so it's, it's a faith position. I don't have faith enough to believe something came from nothing, nothing turned into something else. Chaos is the mother of order. Bert, I just don't have enough faith to believe that. I don't either. There's so much I could say, but thank you for that call. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Chip. Welcome, Chip. Hey, thank you all for taking. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I got a quick question. And it deals with the interaction with Joseph and Potiphar. Um, when Potiphar's wife uh, 
caught him and wanted to seduce him and, and Potiphar ultimately threw him in prison. I've got to believe that for Potiphar to have put Joseph in that position, he knew the character of Joseph and his wife very well. So knowing the character of his wife and knowing the character of Joseph, and he said Potiphar became angry. Do you think he was angry with Joseph because he believed his wife, or do you think he was angry with his wife because she put him in an indefensible position? Way to go, Chip. Hey, Mm. listen, he was trying Mm. to find someone to blame. Alex, go ahead. Well, and and maybe he was angry that his wife, you get the implication that Potiphar's wife had not been faithful, you know? Yeah. And and, uh, let me just say it was a dysfunctional marriage. It uh, created some political uh, static that Potiphar, uh, what, what strings he had to pull to throw Joseph in prison, I don't know. But um, and part of it might have been the uh, the possibility that uh, Joseph had consorted with his wife. I don't know, but uh, Potiphar um, he was angry, and Joseph suffered uh, for the the wife's immorality, her overtures, and for Potiphar's you know anger. Let me quote Genesis fifty verse twenty. But it's for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive, even Potiphar and his wife. God reigns. Let's go for the last one to Georgia and talk to Tom. Thank you for calling, Tom. Hey, uh, enjoy your show every day. And uh, I want to add one more thing to the uh, evolution when I was in school back in 1960 in college, uh, I was studying uh, genetics, and one of the professors made comment. He said, you know, mitochondria in each cell is useless. There's nothing to it. Now they're saying that mitochondria controls everything in the cell. But here's the question I want to ask. Yesterday you were talking about a supplement to study the Bible, uh, it was a, a Bible dictionary or something. But Alex had one, and his wife-to-be had one, and you had one, and you were. You Go were, ahead, Alex. Got it. Haley's Bible Handbook. Um, it's it's an oldie goalie. You can find it for probably about nine ninety-five. Haley H A L L E Y S Haley's Bible Handbook. Bert, I highly recommend it. I do, too. Brent's going to put that on Facebook so those that can look. Haley's Handbook, it will it will bless you and help you. Thank you, Tom, for listening. Alex, it's been a great day to be back with you, brother. Well, tomorrow we're going to do Fire Away Friday. We'll take all questions, all the hour. Please tell your friends about it. Plus, I've got a big question out of Matthew 19 that has been asked about transgenderism. We'll tackle that one tomorrow, too. Folks, thanks for listening. Bert Harper, thanks for being with us. Brent Austin for running the board. Tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.